the age group of the kids in this in this film are about 13 and i do find 13 year olds creepy <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and i'll tell you why 13 year olds are creepy because a they're big enough strong enough and smart enough to do some serious damage but are also young enough where they don't understand the true consequences of their actions All right, welcome again to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans. Our goal here is to hack a path and find a way for indie horror filmmakers to move their projects along and, of course, to showcase their films. So if you're an indie horror or genre filmmaker, if you want to see more of their films or want to support these films, this is the place for you. Now, we're not going to talk technical about the process of filmmaking, but we are talking about filmmaking and the filmmaking business. We're going to talk about ideas and the stories behind the stories. And ultimately, we do want to work with filmmakers and producers and creators and help find audiences and just share ideas. So find us at deadharvey.com. Subscribe, follow, sign up, join the team, shoot us an email because we want to hear from you and we want to work with you and we want to make things happen. I am Ted Stanford and this is Brad Paulson. And today we're going to talk about managers. Um, and managers and how they differ from agents. Uh, we have had some dealings with managers in the past, uh, one in particular that we're going to talk about today. But what we'll talk about is what happens when you get a bit of traction or how you get traction and what happens when you actually get in a conversation with a manager. So we'll get to that. But before we do, Brad's pick of the week. Okay, great. Well, it is um, right before Christmas time, so it's time for a Christmas special episode. And I was thinking of, Christmas movies that were a little bit more obscure. Now, this this one's not really too obscure, but it's not really that. Um, it's not like any kind of mainstream movie either. Although it does it does steal its ideas from from mainstream movies in a very good way for its horror inspiration. The movie that I wanted to talk about was Deadly Games, but Joe Bob Briggs just did it on uh, on Shutter. So for his Christmas special, that was a French horror movie that was very obscure for a while and kind of hard to get a hold of where a little kid dresses up like Rambo and defends his house against uh, Santa Claus. And I think that may have inspired Home Alone. But anyways, mm-hmm. moving on. This is another movie that's inspired by Home Alone, clearly, uh, especially from one scene that we'll talk about here. Mm-hmm. This is called Better Watch Out. And it is uh, about a kid that has a hot babysitter and there's a home invasion. Yeah, and now is it on is it on Shutter or Prime? I watch it on Prime. Oh, it's on a lot of different ones. So it's actually yeah. it's on Shutter. And then I when I was looking it up, it's on I think like at least five or six. It's findable. Sites. It's very findable. Yeah. It's very findable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a it's it turns into a home invasion movie, but then it has a big spin to it. But it is also heavily inspired by Home Alone, and there's and I can't really say like what the what the spin is on this movie that they do, but just think because it's going to ruin everything for you. But just <laughs> but just uh, but that's that's actually hard to kind of describe what the what the movie is about because it all revolves around this this twist. Um, but, but just think, just think, it is it is basically a riff on 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 Home Alone, absolutely, and uh, and giving an r-rated spin on it. now now interestingly by the way i researched the movie a little bit the guy who made it originally was going to shoot it in like texas or whatever his hometown was yeah. for five hundred thousand dollars he had he had uh somehow raised the money or had access to the capital and was going to film it for five hundred thousand dollars but someone caught wind of the concept and offered him three million dollars to make it in new zealand nice. so he actually made it in new zealand uh-huh. for three million dollars which is a very weird budget range 
yeah. for an independent horror because it's tough to make your money back at that range. But um, it is, it, it, it he, I, I did read that he was set to make it and then got offered $3 million to make it um, in New Zealand. But it's actually, it's like, oddly, it's all American. You wouldn't know, but it's all filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say is it is the opposite of endearing qualities for kids. Like like in Home Alone, the kids like very likable. There are some kids in this movie that are not likable at all whatsoever. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what, this is my take on it because I watched it on your recommendation. I know you, you really enjoyed this. Now, let's just lay the groundwork here. Mm-hmm. The, the age group of the kids in this in this film are about 13. And I do find 13-year-olds creepy. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. 13-year-olds are creepy because A, they're big enough strong enough and smart enough to do some serious damage, but are also young enough where they don't understand the true consequences of their action, which make yeah. them very scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think of the French new wave horror film, they, yeah. uh, which did a great job uh, of, of, of exploring this age group and the fact that they don't give a shit. And when I watched this, there's another version of this film, which is even worse, which is even more, like Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. for this 13 year old where he just goes literally bonkers, like <laughs> yeah. video game murdering mm-hmm. um, and, and just slaughters everybody. And it gets a little more grotesque. I think because it's, it is, it is, there is a lot of death in it. It's, it's clearly R rated, but they do shy away from actually showing too much. And, and uh, which is fine. I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely a, a good film and it's worth it, but there is a version of this that's a little more over the top mm-hmm. where this 13 year old goes full video game, uh, you know, uh, um, over the top Patrick Bateman uh, slaughter fest and, and, and you get more stuff in there. Like th- th- there's more that could be happening in this. I do, do believe that the 13 year olds going absolutely crazy. Uh, there's more room. Yeah. And they can get away with, um, and they can get away with it because they can act all innocent afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the thing that like kids can get away with because um, they are old enough to be mischievous and know enough and young enough that everybody still thinks that they're uh, cute and innocent and they can get away with it. Well, that's also why that, that they did a great job casting that guy uh, because he he well a he was like he was very this cute little kid and there's no way this guy could do any wrong, uh, but he also was able to play the other side as well. It shows the creepiness of a 13 year old, but the the thing about it is I think that that film was basically like, they knew they were going to do that home alone scene. Mm-hmm. They, so they the scene that we're sure. referring to. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the scene we're referring to is, and it, it, it's been brought up many times before. It's like the paint can scene in home alone <laughs> yeah. where, where he throws the paint can and it, and it goes, it, it's Joe Pesci's face that it hits. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, either, and, him and it, or, either him or Stern. It's probably was it Stern. I can't remember. I can't remember. It's one can't of the remember. two. We got a 50, 50. We got a 50, 50. Chance. <laughs> yeah. But one of them hits it and he just gets a red mark on his face and he sits down and it's really wily coyote, mm-hmm. but it's been wild, you know, widely debated that that would actually crush his face. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like it, would, <laughs> it would absolutely destroy his face. And so this film explores that. And <laughs> and my bet actually is that the entire idea for this film was born out of that concept. Like someone was drunk sitting around talking about the fact it's like the same home alone debate where that paint, like, like talking about how home alone is essentially a horror film that, 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 that turns it into a Wile E. Coyote uh, cartoon, yeah. like the damage that actually would have done. And then all of a sudden you, you talk about that concept and the guy puts it in the script. And then all of a sudden you have a whole idea 
that's born out of this one scene. But yeah. uh, but it is that that scene is in there, which is which is funny because I think I don't know I, I've thought about it before. <laughs> yeah, but th- yeah, this is definitely like um, like just think of like John Hughes if he got divorced or something and they got in a really dark mood and then decided to make a movie and piss off all the studios. Yeah. That's essentially what this is. Um, so like a real like fringe version of John Hughes or like a sort of like a darker parallel version of John Hughes because it has dialogue that's kind of reminiscent of weird science and a lot of his other teen movies in it yeah. and it has the veneer of that sort of like a teenager or um like a kind of like coming of age movie in there but then it puts that horror spin on it and it's just a great combination then you have the christmas theme in there as well too which makes it even better yeah oh no there's lot there's lots of good stuff in it i mean it has its there's a couple of things that can take away from it like um the girl never really seemed to be in danger. <laughs> that was the one thing that kind of bugged me about it. I was like, she never really seems to be in danger in this whole film. But um, yeah, it, it was good. And and, and, it, and it goes to show, I mean, I, I thought that was really cool that this guy created, came up with this concept, was was going to do it for, for $500,000 and gets the $3 million to do it. Because I think it's a cool, it goes to show what that kind of like, if you have a good good idea, and I don't even, I mean, I have no idea how the, 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 the New Zealand guy found out about it to get to, to say, hey, no, come here and shoot it here. But clearly there's like ideas were rolling around and and uh, it was a high, it was a good enough idea that the other guy, that, that they picked it up and he got a $3 million budget to make the film. Yeah, absolutely. And it also reminds you of how family movies can be great inspiration for not only high concept, but horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just think of like, think of how weird some family movies out there. I was watching Pinocchio the other day. That's sort of essentially a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, it's this, it's this puppet that was made through like weird kind of magic. And then he, and then he gets, and then he gets turned to life. And then, so he's like this inanimate object that sort of becomes this creepy, almost human-like person, but isn't. And then he gets abducted by several people, and then he gets torn to an island where like kids are turned into donkeys. And no, it's, it's gets swallowed by a whale. It's just weird. It's I don't know what com- I don't know what comedian said it, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but but it was Geppetto's fucking that puppet. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's there's no if there's no way to split it. I mean, like if you watch that, he's like he's clearly having sex with that puppet. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, horror movie called Pinocchio's Revenge, actually. So somebody did make somebody's thought of everything. It did. Pinocchio's <laughs> Pinocchio's it's had it had its rounds <laughs> for sure. Um so then this episode, what we're gonna talk about is we're gonna talk about managers. Um yeah. and uh there's no real segue there, but we might as well just skip over to the next segment of the podcast where we talk about this. So you and I at one point, and boy, this dragged on for, I feel like at least a year where we, we were, we were, we didn't actually didn't know if we were represented by this manager or not. Cause we didn't really sign anything. That's the weird thing about it. That, that's what will, yeah. will be fun to talk about. Yeah. That'll be interesting to talk about, but so, you know, we were, we were running dead Harvey as a blog at the time. And, uh, a lot of people kind of were checking out the blog or reading about it. It was a good little, you know, calling card for us to have. And, uh, you and I were screenwriting a lot of the time we were entering, entering, uh, different competitions and making short films and, and doing stuff like that. And at one point we had entered a festival and I think I'd entered a screenwriting competition and I got an award. I made it as a finalist or something. And then I looked at the person that had reviewed it or somehow looked at the judge panel and, and there was this guy on there. And I can't remember if he reached out to me or I reached out to him, but it was pretty easy to connect. And he said, next time you're in LA, let's, let's meet up. And I, and then you and I met up with uh, this guy 
and and we'll keep it as this guy. We don't want to talk about names and stuff like that. But um, so we met up with him. Now the interesting thing I thought about this that people can take away is like when you're entering entering those screenwriting competitions and 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 when you're uh, uh, getting things reviewed. A lot of times now they actually hide the people that review it. But when they had those judge panels, they uh, their names are pretty blatant as their judge panels, and and you can find these guys. Like so, you could Google around, or it doesn't take long to find the guys and reach out to them and say, "Hey, I was on there." And I think that's what we did, and we just basically connected with this guy, and he had read our script in the competition, and was like, "Yeah, it was good. I want to meet you and talk about other ideas." Um, <laughs> and. Uh, so, the, I mean, the takeaway there is that you can connect with these guys, but you better have a reason to connect with them. The fact is that he had read it and liked it. Uh, I think if it was a cold reach out, it would have gone not as well. But you and I met up with this guy. And uh, I think the interesting takeaway from this is like when you do get a little bit of traction with a project, say you get this meeting with a manager. Mm-hmm. We happen to meet this guy at a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and if i remember correctly the reason we met at a bar was it like we had, we, 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 we we got quite intoxicated with him yeah, well, yeah it was a trendy bar in not like a super high budget like club type of bar or anything like that but like an upper end franchise bar so not like tgi fridays something <laughs> something not corporate like that now there are some other it does have some other yeah, it was West Hollywood too. You're in West Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So it was in like a higher budget part of town, um, but not like anything like crazy expensive. Beers are like pretty much normal price and everything. No, I don't. So, it's, so it's a place where like a most like you'll see like every different type of person go into that place. So it's not just like super elitist or anything like that. No, so there's we were lots able of people. To, yeah, so we were able to um, to go in there and and have a and it didn't like kill us budget wise. So we're able to no because we didn't spend a dime. If you remember on the first oh, wait a time, we met did him. he pick up the tab? Well, not only that, we kept we kept drinking with him, and then okay. we were like, "Hey, you know, we, we got to move somewhere." And he's like, "No, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. I only have one tab. If you want to keep drinking, we drink here, and I'm picking up the tab." We okay. were like, "We were like, we're like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's fine. I guess we'll just sit here and, and drink. I'm not going to say no." And and at the end, don't you remember? He was all he was all drunk, and he was like, "No, no, no. I only pay one bill because then I submit it." um uh as one expense because i get it written off but my wife sees my credit card bill <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she knows i had a meeting today so as long as it's all on one receipt and it doesn't look like i've been bar hopping i can get away with it absolutely <laughs> that's a that was a good idea he's been doing this for a while he's been doing it for a while but See, we, we were not long... the only ones that he had business oh, no. with and we had a long session with him that first time we had a long session with him but that was at the end it had to be one receipt because he had to write it off <laughs> <laughs> do one receipt and and it wasn't because of like the writing it off because mm-hmm. he was kind of doing his own thing at the time uh it was because his wife sees his credit cards and yeah to make sure that it was uh that it, that it was only no no i need one line item one line item there or otherwise it doesn't matter how much the line item is but it's only one line item. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> Genius. well that also means that he was busted by his wife several times before that before he implemented that theory oh God, I, I, like I would assume so, right? <laughs> At the end of the night, we heard him. We heard this squealing, and it was him, just like spinning donuts in his up, BMW or whatever it was he was driving, <laughs> some super high budget car. Yeah, and um, so the thing that, that, that to talk about here is like we got traction with this guy, and 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 keep in mind, legitimate manager. We we had talked a bunch. He had had some great clients and and had done some good projects. We'd looked them up and done our due diligence. 
but the thing to take away, if you do get traction with a project, if you do write something or you get an in where you have some sort of project or something else, there's always two kind of things you need to remember in this situation. One, and you're going to hear this over and over and over again. They always ask, well, what else do you got? Because when we eventually, the traction we got with him wasn't with the project that he, that he had originally read. It was with something completely different. And that to them is such a big thing. They want to see that you've done more than one thing. Like, like hey, maybe you got lightning in a bottle with this one script. But when we said, oh, no, no, we got like 20 different projects we've been working on, and then that interests him. So I remember that, that, that you've got to make sure if you get traction, have other projects, be ready to pitch something else. Yeah, you got to be ready to write like five or six things for free for them, not just one. Yeah, we can talk about that in a bit. But, but the second thing was that you got to remember that these guys are not there to help you. They're, they're not there for your betterment. They're there for their betterment. betterment. Um, and you have to like, and he looks at it. He's just thinking, hey, if I manage this guy, because he takes a cut. That's the whole idea of signing as a manager is that he gets a certain percentage of everything you make. And that's why a lot of these big guys, you know, when you look, it's like, oh, he made a million dollars. Well, 20% of it goes to the manager, 20% of it goes to the agent. He's left with 60%. And, and you know, I'm making up numbers. Um, but, you know, so he looks at you as a, as a, as a revenue stream. And so when he met with us, he's basically gauging, can I make money off these guys? Yes or no. And, and, and all the different things we talk about about sells a project is what he's looking for. So he clearly was looking like, okay, you've written one thing that was good enough. You know, what else do you have? Can I make money off you? And he, I mean, he left kind of saying, yeah, I'll manage you, but. But then he didn't, but we never got anything clarified. And so it became this weird gray zone where we kept sending him all this, like all these pages and everything. We didn't really know whether he actually managed us or not. We never like flat out asked us, asked him, Hey, are you our manager? Um, So, so it becomes weird. Like if you don't ask at that point, but it's sort of implied, but not like Willie said, if you don't ask, then everything just sort of gets weirder and weirder as you go on and you, you keep doing more free work. But at least we got our, our um, bar tabs worth out of it. Now, yeah, well, think, he got think, his bar tabs worth out of us. Yeah, well, I think, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. The, a couple of times we did uh, meet up with him in person, we got our tabs covered. But, um, but that is something to be weary of because we, you know, so we met up with him and then we stayed in touch. We're on phone calls, emails, whatever. And he was like, hey, this idea is good. And I remember, I mean, at the end of the day, it was, it was, it was a positive thing if you're okay with writing. Uh, but he had taken a, a script idea that we had had and says, hey, this isn't a, a feature. This is a series rewrite it as a series so then you know we broke it down rewrote it as a series i mean which doesn't take a day right so we're, we're sitting there right sent him episode one episodes great he's sending notes back i think we did one page pitch decks for him like i think we did you know like a, a ton of free work and then all of us i think we also you know did work on another script another another other ideas we were shipping him a lot of stuff without any signature or any paperwork <laughs> in place like it was just random and then he doesn't get back to you for two weeks and then you send him another, you know, something like it was, it was, it was random, a lot of free work. I mean, at the end of the day, looking back, I mean, I do think he was right about the project. Like, and we still have this project sitting there as a, as a series that even it's still relevant, if not more relevant today. And it, it does definitely work better as mm-hmm. that, but you got to be careful when you talk to some of these guys, because you're going to do a lot of free work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it, it, we can tell more stories that's happened to you more times than uh, it's happened to me. Yeah. free work deal um but uh, I, I think it's super important that you got to know the deal with these guys i i, I think um because like i said they, they look at you as a revenue stream and they're not going to commit to anything until they think that they can actually sell something mm-hmm. right and and we went way down the line with this guy I, like way down the line 
And especially so if you don't know like whether they're actually representing you or not, they don't really tell you about who they're talking to you or what's going on. So you're pretty much kind of left in the dark. You're just sort of confused the entire time. And then mm-hmm. the confusion just keeps growing and growing. The more unclear that it is like what they're actually doing, you know, like, you know what you're doing. Like we know what we're doing on our end, but we didn't know who he was actually talking to or what status it was at or anything like that. It was just, no, I think, but it is also when you're on that side where you're just getting some traction, you're just getting some nibbles as you're, you know, throwing the fishing lines out there and all of a sudden, Hey, some projects getting a little traction. Yeah. You, you, you really have no power, right? You really have no power. It's, 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 it's all on him and you don't really know what's going on. I mean, as if something sold, well, then you're, you start to collect a little bit of the power. Um, It's just, you're not going to have that, that beginning stage, you you have no clue you have no clue what's going on but it's also something to note is the difference this guy was a manager we also had dealings with agents now agents and managers play two completely different roles and it's interesting what they actually want right yeah yeah and we and we which we'll talk about later but we actually you know, we're talking to an agent uh, it was a separate separate person, an agent, and we were confused about like what he was supposed to be doing for us as well too. Yeah. But we never like really clarified either of those. We'll save that for the next one. But yeah, we can save that for a next one. But a manager uh, in dealing with him, my idea is they are the ones who are kind of coaching you. They're in your mm-hmm. corner. They're like, well, think. Um, well, no, oddly, Ari Emanuel in Entourage was actually an agent. You yeah, know, he acted more like a manager because he was. Uh, but but E was the manager, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, he was like basically telling him like like picking the picking the scripts that that he should take and sort yeah. of like guiding his career like you should do this so like on the literary side of that that would be like you should write like you should do all horror movies or you should do uh, three horror movies and then an action movie or stuff yeah. like that you know your manager is trying to manage your career and yeah. give you yeah. advice and tell you when to go off and when to do things but he's also giving you notes on the on your scripts or, or he's, he's basically wants to be with you for you know, and help guide your career. On the flip side, the agent is the one who's just, he's trying to make connections and package deals and get them, get them all done. Yeah. Um, And uh, that there is a distinction between the two, but, um, but I think the takeaway here, if we're kind of near the end of the conversation on what we're talking about with the manager, I mean, the takeaway here is I think, you know, at some point in your, in your career, um, you'll probably get some traction on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, I think it's important that you leverage that. Like if you do it, get in a screenwriting competition, you actually do all right, reach out to that guy. If someone's emailing you about it, reach out to that guy and you see if you can wedge something in there and get a conversation going. But when you do remember what these guys actually want, they, they're not really there to help you. They're there to make money because they see that you might be someone that can produce money for them. So keep that in mind as you're, as you're walking, uh, you know, walking through the process with, with one of these guys and also try to make sure that there's, you're, you're kind of clean on the deal. You don't really have a lot of power at the beginning when you're, when, you know, it's a first project. So you're, you're kind of along for the ride, but, uh, do be careful about the free work. Yeah, definitely. Just, just, just clarify because we were pretty naive when this was happening. Just, just clarify. Say something like, "Okay, well, how about we do something like this? If I give you uh, X amount of pages, um, and then, then like I commit to giving you this amount of pages, will you manage me after this if you like it? And then can I, or should I move on after that? Have them like some something like that where there's some sort of an agreement." Where even if it's not in writing, it's just not so confusing on on both sides of it. I mean, they might be thinking that you're. I mean, I think that essentially, if somebody really wants to represent you, they're just going to ask you. You're not going to have to. Yeah, I do think like it's a different deal. Like this is like this is like we got a little nibble, like mm-hmm. a, like a, yeah. like a little 
like people we opened up the door and tried to do as much as we can if you if all of a sudden you wrote a script that was like on the blacklist or or you you did a short film that all of a sudden blew up yeah you have a bunch of power and people are going to be knocking at your door and they're going to want to sign you that's right a, i think it's a different scenario and if you don't have any leverage that's what keeps you doing stuff like basically for free if you're afraid that they're going to you know that um that if you ask too quickly, then you're then you're going to put them in like a compromising position or whatnot. So it's just, but I think that's stuff that needs to be clarified right away, or else it just gets worse if it's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, exactly. Oh, the one thing that I kept that I keep laughing about when I think about the the meetings with him, though. <laughs> so when we were when he was like asking us for different ideas that we had, so we went off all these different ideas, and then he was just kind of sitting there and it just sort of seemed to like roll off his shoulders, and he was like, "No, guys, guys." need to come up with something really great. Like the one idea that I had got to be made. And I don't want to say what two actors that he said it was supposed to be, but it's two big action stars, this action star versus this action star as a movie. I'm just waiting for us to be blown away by it. I don't actually, I don't think they've made that movie yet. No, I don't think, I don't think they did, but he was, he was blown away, but that was his whole concept mm-hmm. of, of that. And, I, and didn't we even bring up, it was like, well, they kind of did that. <laughs> well, the, the, so the whole uh, place that he was supposed to have, like the environment that he was supposed oh. to have these two big action stars fight and compete against one another yeah. was done in another movie. Yeah. It's it's a well-known it, movie. Yeah. It, it was done. It was, it was done. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you just got to get used to that stuff. Cause these guys, you realize that the difference between, you know, the wannabes and the, and, and the people who have made it, sometimes the creative level and the intelligence level isn't that much different. It's, yeah. it's, it's circumstance. So you will get into meetings with managers, agents and, 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 and established people. And you realize it's like, there's not much that makes you different. And your ideas aren't that That's great. <laughs> Although I would see that movie. No, I, no I, I would too. I would too. Uh, okay. Well, great. Well, if you've made it here, this is the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously you are a like-minded individual. Uh, this is a community and we want to work together. Uh, I also run a small marketing company and I do see an opportunity to mesh both the independent horror film and, uh, and the marketing together. So if you're an indie producer, if you're an indie filmmaker, reach out, follow us and let's see if we can move the needle together. Uh, yeah. And until then we'll see you next time.